You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. Joe, I just want to say it's great having you a part of our church and our lives. And, and, and all you guys, uh, thanks for reading scripture. It's so great that we could be in a church and just roll it and be like, all right, now you do this and we do this. And we're like, this is not a performance. We're just worshiping God together and we could be together in community. And so I thought this psalm would sum up my story of what I'm going to share today. We're very happy to be here too. Um, psalm 77, 11 through 15. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. Awesome. Thank you. Well, some of you guys, uh, you liked when I cried. So if I do it again, enjoy. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's so good to remember the wonderful works of God. And that's what I want to do today is just remember that. Uh, like Robin said, some of you guys have heard this story, but many of you haven't. You may hear some other things that just come out. But for me, this has been so special to have my church family, even in this building, to sing songs, to pray to meditate, to ponder, to look back in all that God has done. And we need to take time to do this, not just as a church, but as an individual of God's faithfulness to our own uh, biological families, church families, and just our lives um, of what he's done today. So um, I love that verse because it sums about how God is so good. And it says, you with your armed, with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob, which is another name of saying the nation of Israel, and Joseph. And we've been celebrating a lot about how God has been working in our church, the people, together. And this is the Joseph side. This is me. I want to share how God moved and called us here, and he's done great things in my life. And I just want to retell the story of God, of how he called our family to plant a church. Um, and so whether it's the first time uh, you're hearing it or, um, man, it's the 17th time, I'm always amazed and reminded about God's grace in my life. I never thought I'd be a pastor. Never thought it would happen. Wasn't in my mind. Uh, and it probably should have been in my mind because both of my parents served the Lord. They loved the Lord. In fact, I was raised in a Christian home. My dad, you saw, um, man, he was a pastor. He still is, serves as a pastor. He's on our board. Uh, and they served faithfully in a small church just like this uh, where we met in community centers and we met in this school and got kicked out here and um, literally, it was after 20-plus years at Calvary Chapel Tacoma, where my dad pastors, got actually a building. And so I was just like Jeremiah uh, and May, being a PK and helping set up, tear down. Uh, it was the same in the house and in church. My parents moved from California, where my brother was, older brother was born, to Washington State, uh, specifically to start a church. And so we moved to Tacoma, Washington. Tacoma, you guys may know because it's a truck, but it's actually a city, and they used to call it the armpit of Washington because it was straight ghetto. Uh, and so ghetto that I actually had to be homeschooled. My mom has a background in education, and uh, there was too many gunshots and violence in the schools that we were at. 
she was just like, You're, we're going to homeschool the kids for their own lives. Uh, and so um, our entire home was oriented on ministry as a family and church, so much so that I was homeschooled and I loved it. It was so great. Like the fond memories of being homeschooled, I remember watching Jay Leno almost every night with my mom. Because my dad worked swing shift. He went into work at 3 o'clock, so he left at 2, got home at about midnight, would sometimes work overtime to 2 or 3. And so he, we as young kids would stay up late so that we would sleep in. So in the morning, he had quiet time to study and meet with people in church. That's how much we oriented our lives around ministry and just serving the Lord as a family. And it was normal. Like, it was normal for people to come over for holidays uh, when they don't have family. Uh, for pastoral calls. It was just normal as a family to serve, and I heard greater messages at the dinner table than I did on Sunday mornings. My dad would preach the same stuff, if not longer and more, just hanging out at the house. And some of y'all know, now I sort of sometimes do that too. But um, both of my parents, they never pressured me once, ever, and even brought up the subject of me being a pastor. Just never thought about it. Um, my dad now says that he actually thought that would happen for me specifically, but he never brought that up one time to me until after years it happened. Honestly, I thought I was going to be a businessman. Uh, I love business. I love being entrepreneurial. You could see some of the graphics, the work, the stuff that I do. And, uh, and honestly, I just grew up, we grew up poor. I mean, we just grew up poor, so I just didn't want to be poor. I wanted to have money. And if you're a businessman, you can make money. I want to provide for my family. I literally thought I was going to be a rich businessman and just give tons of money to church because I knew how significant giving money was. My dad worked full time for 20 years, and there was a point when so many people were coming, like only 60 or 70, that people were giving so much, he, he got to stop working, and I got to see him more. So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be the best church member ever and give so much money to the church. That was my mission. So I actually got a BA, a business administration degree at UW. I actually got my, uh, in high school, my two-year AA degree before I was even um, uh, 18 to be able to just go that route. But then I was transformed by Jesus. God literally radically just changed my life. I was a teenager and I, I got invited to a mission trip by another girl in our youth group. Our youth group was small like we are now with only a few kids. But this other girl was like, you need to go uh, with me to a mission trip. It'd be really good. And I wasn't like walking away or rebelling very much, but I just wasn't on fire. I was just like nominal. Like God was a part of my life, but I was sort of doing my thing. Looking back now, I tend to say that basketball was my God. It was my idol. Um, Again, I, I really try not to exaggerate, but these are my life, so I'm sharing my story. Uh, all I did was play basketball at the Y from sundown, the sun up to sundown. I had a 40-plus inch vertical. I had people on state that uh, we played with. My brother was three years older. I played with all of his friends. We'd play street ball. We'd go to AAU stuff. We'd play with the top people. I have friends that know, I, like Isaiah Thomas in the NBA. Like there, it was just, that was my life, was basketball having fun, being a teenager, going to school, make a lot of money. And then I went on this mission trip to Mexico, and God radically changed everything, the trajectory of what I thought would happen with my life. Uh, he used other teenagers, and he used other teenagers to show me love. It was, it was amazing because I didn't grow up in a bigger church, and even for us as a smaller church, I love going to be able to go to the worship nights and other things to expose. There are other Christians and just like a handful of us. 
And seeing God's love work real in people's life changed changed my life. That's why I'm so proud of us when people think about our church. We're a group of people that love people. That literally changed my life. And it was serving with these teenagers, uh, going on a foreign field, a mission trip that God uh, showed me he was real. And I was like, okay, if you're real, which he is, by the way, then I was like, I'm done. What's even the point? All I'm going to do is live for you. So I literally came home from that trip, and my countenance was changed. Everything was changed. I just preached the gospel to all my unsaved friends. Uh, I had a handful of people that they weren't necessarily uh, good for my life. They were heavy into uh, gangs, different things like that. Uh, Again, I think this is God's providence because when I preached the gospel to them, they all laughed at me, uh, broken relationships. My best friend, his uncle, was uh, the originators of the Hilltop Crips. I actually was more comfortable in that setting than in the woods when I met Laura in Olympia. Uh, And we would always hang out that house. A few months later, after my friends sort of rejected me because I shared the gospel with them, uh, that entire house got shot up. His uncle died. His girlfriend died. The baby died. There was retaliation. I know for sure I would have been there. And then I would have for sure been in a situation where I was in the retaliation stuff. And I just thank God by his hand and his timing in that. Um, because, I'm, you know, I don't like bringing that type of stuff up. But, it, you know, it was, it was straight hood. And it was, it was real. And so um, I got back from this trip. And, man, I just started telling everyone about Jesus, evangelizing. I even, first book of the Bible, I just started a Bible study within our, little, our youth ministry uh, and uh, taught my first book of the Bible, the book of James. I just asked my daddy, what's a good book to teach? What's, what can I do now? And I, I don't know if what conversation, but basically every week I would just, I, I grabbed his study Bible, I read it, and I would just tell him we would discuss, and we would just start doing that. And I learned uh, even to lead worship then. Even though I grew up in the church, I never knew how to play guitar, never raised my hands, didn't participate in anything. Well, I, I didn't, I love God. I knew God. I was baptized. I just didn't, wasn't a servant. Um, but over spring break, I asked my dad, because I had this Bible study, I was like, it'd probably be nice to have some songs to worship God. So he taught me three songs over spring break. I remember that. And so we had some worship music. And so um, it was great. And this is when I met my best friend, Laura. This is where she comes in. Thank God, because she never would have met me uh, and never would have dated me or anything um, if she knew me before. Still to this day, we have me and like this wife beater. And I, had, I used to have cornrows. Told you, man, I was a little thug, man. But I used to have a little cornrows and just, uh, you know, baggy just, you know, clothes and stuff. And when she met me, I was no longer a thug. My, still, my jeans were still baggy. I still had some swag. But we actually met in our senior year of high school. Now, I went on this mission trip in Olympia, Calvary Chapel of Olympia. And that was a larger youth group. And so I had built some relationships with him. That was about 40 minutes away. So I was hanging out a lot as a teenager in high school with all these other Christians because I didn't really have a solid group of Christians in Tacoma uh, because they all rejected me. So I was going there down a lot. We had mutual friends, and, uh, man, we started dating. Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, 2001. Yeah, 2001. And you know what? I, I love it. I, I think it's the best thing to grow up with your best friend. Like, I, you know, people say, oh, you're so young. Uh, at the age of 19, she was 20, June 20th, 2003, we got married. 
And we've grown up and served the Lord ever since. And it was ama- it's been amazing. It's incredible. Even this year, it's coming up on 20 years. And uh, I love her more now than I even loved her then. And I had that talk with her. Now, those in ministry, you're in the room. You know, there is a talk in ministry like, baby, I love you. The world to me are amazing. But, yeah, um, we're going to be poor. Because we're just going to serve Jesus and do like we literally thought we were going to be missionaries, do something. I didn't know what it was. But I was like, we, this is my life now. And she was like, this is awesome. Let's do it. We love each other. Uh, we talked about missions. We talked about serving. We didn't care. We started leading worship. We were poor, <laughs> but we were very rich, if that makes sense. And both of us knew that we were serving the Lord in some, some type of t- capacity would be our entire lives for the rest of our lives. And uh, it's been so great. I did honor Mike as the blessing. And he did say, well, if you marry her, you got to continue to get your education and your um, degree. And so I said yes. So at the before, right before the age of 21, I had my BA. And uh, I, I finished my school out there. Um, and I just figured, you know, I'm young. Like, I'm only 20. I know I'm serving God. Uh, but, um, you know, I'll still, like, I don't know where that's going to lead. I'll still make a lot of money, start serving, grow up, and just whatever that may lead. But then... I was ordained at Calvary Chapel of Olympia. We continued to serve so much. uh, They saw a special calling on my life. And right before I graduated, the elders of that church actually asked me to come on staff and be raised up to be a pastor at that church. And that church was totally radically different. It was a new community. Uh, We had got married and moved to Olympia rather than being in Tacoma for some of that violence and some of my friends that I I just, I thought it'd be better to just detach. for our marriage and had other people to support that were Christians in the community for us. And so uh, they noticed that I was at everything. At some point in there, I think we actually planted another church. Uh, That Bible study that I had turned into the college-age Bible study, turned it into people getting saved, turning into people started tithing and giving us money. And uh, we were another guy that was leading it, and I were just like, what just happened? And we just had grew from this house to this house to just huge and— And so we served at that church, and um, it was more of a mega church. There was probably 1,000 adults uh, and actually about 1,000 kids, if you could believe it, huge families. Um, And so, but it was an amazing time, and it was an opportunity to grow in my gifting, be raised up, be poured into, and the youth pastor, college-age pastor, his assistant, he actually went to go plant a church uh, a year or two later. And before I was 23, uh, they had asked me to lead youth ministry and be a pastor there. Uh, which was a humbling thing, Um, and I didn't want to do it, actually. I wanted to serve God with all my heart, but I did not want to be a teacher or a pastor there uh, because if you think that I stumble with my words right now, um, I stumbled greatly. I couldn't articulate. I couldn't organize. I had a like it just, there was a supernatural gift that God gave me from not being able to teach to the gift of teaching immediately because it's, my pastor said, I want you to do this. I was like, okay, great. I don't think so because of this. And I asked him even like, what is, what is the gift that you see in me? And he's like, Daniel, you have the gift of service. And whatever God has you, he gives you that gift. He'll give you that gift. And I was reading in Moses about how God made Moses' mouth. And God really spoke to me. He said, I'm going to give you that gift. And he's going to make your mouth. So I called my pastor. After I'd already told him, no, bring someone else in. 
I'll be the best assistant. I, I love leading worship, the admin, dude, like whatever. Um, but then I called him and he was like, oh yeah, I didn't ask anyone. I was just waiting for you to tell me yes. And it, because I've seen in my life, God just continued to do that and give me supernatural gifts to what he wants me to do at that certain time. Um, and so um, it was humbling because at that time, looking back at it, it's pretty awesome, but I think I was only 23, and the youth group I was responsible for, I wasn't scared to be responsible. I was just scared to teach. And then once God gave that to me, stepping into that, I think there was about 100, 150 high schoolers. It was more than my dad's church. And, and like, you know how now we have technology and Google and the, the apps about cross-references and stuff? Um, we didn't have that like 12 years ago. I would call my dad every single Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm putting my mind, hey, what's that one verse about, you know, like, I think that there's like a thing when you, uh, if you forgive your sins, he's faithful and just, like, he was my concordance, so I would just call him with the reference, and he, my dad is amazing, he, we even sometimes had him as a guest speaker, and we quizzed him, and I said, guys, open your Bible to whatever you want, and so people are getting, like, obscured verses from Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Psalm, and I just said, just say two lines, they would say two lines, and my dad's like, oh, yeah, that's Daniel chapter uh, 13, verse 5. Oh, yeah, that's the psalm, blah, 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 blah. Like, so that's what I would just do. And God grew that gift in me, and it grew, and it grew, and things were going great. Uh, our marriage was going awesome. We had two beautiful children. May just got born. Uh, we had bought our dream home. Ministry was fruitful, and there's always been a calling not just to uh, be about us, but I love the church that um, I was raised up with Pastor Chuck Lynn, he always had a heart for smaller churches. So we would, as a bigger church, even do all the admin stuff and invite all these churches around, host small church conferences, be all about other people. There was, a, there was unity in, with the youth pastor movement. We were doing youth ministry where we had 20 different youth groups, and it just grew to thousands of kids growing every quarter, coming to these events, and just hundreds of them getting saved and actually being plugged in to youth ministry. So things were going well. But then God audibly spoke to me, audibly. And the words he spoke simply were loud and clear, and it was plant a church and plant churches. And that's it. It was almost those, that double take, because I was praying by myself, and I was like, okay. And I know I don't say that a lot, and I don't bring it up, because, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, what did God's voice sound like? Well, it wasn't like Morgan Freeman. You know what I'm saying? It just, it wasn't like that. It was an awareness that I heard it with my ears and my heart, and I just knew it was God. And it's not necessarily something that happens all the time. We know that through prayer, we, he still small voice and he prompts our hearts. There's the leading of the Holy Spirit. He speaks primarily through his word, but he audibly does speak and he audibly does guide us and his sheep know his voice. And it was then where I heard plant a church and plant churches, and I knew it was him and he confirmed it. He, Laura was supportive. We went back to the, our pastor and told him, and he was supportive. And God started getting us vi uh, verses. He started giving me uh, visions for the first time. In fact, we're coming up on a 21-day fast. I actually, before I left to confirm the calling to leave and, and go to plant this church here in this area, fasted 21 days straight with just liquids to be able to confirm and to, and to um, seek God and just know and and it was at that time that I actually started getting visions. I'd never had visions before. 
Vision is where you see something when you close your eyes or even when you open them. And I literally saw myself um, in southeast Florida on the beach and then like Google Maps zooming out. I actually saw a vision of me in a park and there was a big body of water. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was a body of salt water. And we're from Washington State. All we knew about Florida was Disney, right? I didn't know what an intercoastal was. And God led us actually to start here at this church. And it was a year or two later that I was out on the bench and I realized this is the exact spot that I saw. It was incredible. So start God giving visions in the body in our church. There was people with words of knowledge. When I announced it, they were like, God already revealed that to me. People had started mentioning Florida. I knew that there would be people from the East Coast. I, uh, I really wanted to go to the Northeast because that started to shift. Washington State was one of those states where growing up, it was the most unreached, um, unchurched area. We've bumped up now. The stats are like they're number four or five or something like that. So up in the Northeast is the most unchurched in the nation. Um, and so to give you an example, being a pastor in Olympia, Washington, you would get cussed at, not honored. Okay, so they were very antagonistic. So I'm like, great, this is normal for me. I'm, I'm just used to like not getting honored and going and I want to reach people for Jesus. And that was our heart. And so I knew there would be East Coast, but then God revealed Florida, started giving us visions. I knew that, I knew that there'd be the coastlands. There was verses about that. It would be a city. And God told me to start revealing all of this stuff to our large church without me having any clue where we were going. I was like, are you sure? So I was like, there's going to be a downtown there's going to be East Coast people. It's going to be Southeast Florida somewhere. There's going to be, and I just started, I was like, I'm seeing, and, and, and so we sold our house. It was a horrible market. It was back when the, the whole thing was crashing, and I was terrible. And um, it sold within a month for what we asked for. Um, we got ready. We actually moved into a month-to-month rental, knowing that the sort of that was the word. We were, we were getting ready to go. Uh, we had to be ready. And so God actually confirmed to me that he was going to tell me the place of where we were going to go after I'd already given my notice, helped him find another youth pastor, which actually was Travis, Pastor Travis. He was a guy that I discipled and actually a couple years later came down to help us and pastor here for a while. So cool. Um, but basically, we put all our stuff in the storage unit. I had no job. Our month to month was up. We were going to go to a church planning residency. And God had just, through prompting of my spirit, uh, told me, at that church planning residency, I'm going to tell you where to go. So we left. And we lived in a one-bedroom dorm with our children. And um, it was crazy looking at it now. It's like stuff when you read the Bible, you're like, did they just add that later? It was so real and so confident in my heart. Another guy that helped start our church, AJ, which is another guy I'm really grateful for and served here for many years, pastoring now back in Washington State. We've raised up a lot of people. I'm so proud of that. Um, He was going on a short-term mission trip that summer to the Middle East and Jordan. He was my actual intern at that time. Travis was serving a lot, but he was in college. This guy came actually from a different city. I raised him up to be an intern. He was going to do a short-term mission trip in in Israel, Jordan, and... um, the Middle East, and I said, bro, we're going to that plant. Go to Jordan. I'll pick you up in Orlando, and when I pick you up, we'll have the city. And he said, all right, let's do it. That's how crazy. One-way ticket, 
drove in to the church planning residency, and I audibly heard God's voice again, Delray Beach. Delray Beach. God revealed that as we were in California, as we had plans, not knowing what we were doing, hearing the audible voice again. And this time it was so unique and so encouraging. It was actually a conversation. And it's surprising to me how little the church plan he talked about. He just really reminded me how much he loved me, how it was going to be different than I expect, and that he would be with us. It was amazing. It was one of those moments you read in the Bible and you're like, why doesn't that happen all the time? It doesn't happen all the time. But it's a significant, significant thing. And so um, I'd heard of Delray Beach because we had done a scouting trip. Remember, I had the vision. So I actually went to a Southeast Calvary Chapel Pastors Conference. And in two and a half weeks, in that January, before we left, we actually came to Florida and drove 2,300 miles in the state of Florida from the Gulf Coast to Panhandle to all the way to Jupiter. So I know I drove, drove on 95, but I'd never seen the city of Delray. And I could remember being on the phone with Laura because the kids were little and we, I took a couple of guys I was discipling. We drove across the nation. Actually, uh, after that, we came here. One of the guys I baptized in the ocean. And uh, I was on the, on the phone with the U-Haul and all the stuff in the cars. And I'm on, on the phone with Laura. Babe, there's a downtown. There's a downtown. Because I literally had no two. And I was like, oh, man, even the scouting trip. There's a whole bunch of plazas, but there's not like active downtowns in Florida. But here there was. The thing that God had revealed. And so God had actually brought our family and it was actually in Jupiter that he brought us to first because remember, we had no idea. We just thought, okay, we're going to be homeless. I need to have a place. And we actually found a place in Jupiter, Jupiter Ocean Racket Club. This guy heard our story. We were calling about a rental. He'd never rented it before. And it was a fully furnished place a block away from the ocean. I would walk to the ocean every day, just cross the street. And he was renting it for $500 a month. No joke. And I was like, babe, I've lived in the ghetto before. I could do anything for 500 bucks a month. And I don't care if there's cockroaches in the middle of the hood, like whatever it is. I don't know what this, because he was like, okay, for, for 800 bucks. Actually, you know, if you're going to be long-term, he wasn't even a believer. He's like, okay, if you stay there for four months, I'll give it to you for 500 bucks a month. That okay? Yes. It was incredible. And that's where I heard the Lord say, pursue and proclaim me. That was a time where we left ministry from Washington, drove here. God gave me two verses about four months from Ezra, from John. I went to the coffee stop, trying to strategically plan, as you know. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit visionary. I see 20 things ahead, 20 years ahead. And so I was at a coffee shop, and I sat down. And I literally just started. I had my journal out. I remember this. And I just started to start processing and thinking, okay, what's the, what do I need to do? How do I do this? And I just prayed. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I was starting to, you know, get into the brainstorming planning thing. And I just, not audibly, but in that still small voice, that prompting, I just heard Daniel pursue and proclaim me. Because I was like, what do you want me to do? And what do you want this church to do? He said, just pursue and proclaim me. It's genius. There's two Ps. There's an order of it. There's verses all about it. I had no idea. Like, people think, all the, like, the reason why our logo is just an R in circle, because I was like, that's, I'm a designer. I have a minor in marketing. I don't care about any of that stuff. We're, gonna, we're not even going to start the church until we evangelize, and if God doesn't do a work, that's what we're doing. 
I don't, so it doesn't, didn't really matter about having a cool website, having a cool church, anything. It was just obedience and worship of the Lord. And literally that has been our mission as a family and as a church ever since, to pursue and proclaim Jesus. So before I even finish my coffee, double shot caramel macchiato, just in case you guys want to ever bless me. Um, man, God gave me that mission, and we've been on that mission in that language ever since. And I will say this, God has worked. God has worked. Now, as we celebrate 10 years, or as I was told to say, a decade, a decade of Redemption Church, I could truly testify Jesus has worked in so many ways. As we've made that our mission of seeing the fruit of salvations, discipleship, transformations, literally people that didn't even know Jesus, I'm shocked because they're my friends here and they're like, being antagonistic because I'm a pastor, and now they're serving with you. It's just, it's amazing. God's love being poured out in people. And I thought just this morning, rather than sharing all of those miraculous stories, I just wanted to take time to share my personal testimony and hear you guys hear how God called our family to this church. Because really, it's just about one family or one person at a time. And this is what God has had for us at this church and has for us to just love those whoever may come in and sometimes we have grown we've seen numbers or we shrink and don't we've had many locations it's a running joke um, you know but God has been faithful and I often tell people that are serving especially our team we are a part of God's mission don't get it twisted even the tones we're always about reaching lost people sharing the gospel we are here for a mission and to proclaim Jesus and we will always do that and unashamedly preach the gospel and evangelize and do all those stuff. But God loves us. He doesn't need us. He's allowing us to be here as a family, as a church, to pastor. And he personally loves us. And I hope that you could see that personal love not only in your life, but in your pastor's life and me. How God has called us, Laura, me, May, Jeremiah, even Mike, Janelle, and all of you guys into this experience to be a part of his people. And I'm just so grateful to be a member of this church, to be a leader of this church, but also to be a member. And I know that as we pursue and proclaim Jesus together, we'll bear much fruit as well. I'll close with this. This is something I keep in my Bible. I wish I would have put the date on it. I don't know. I know it was when we were in Carver. We were having a time of worship. And uh, during worship, this lady, she was new to our church, had a lot of new people come. We asked people to have connection cards. And in fact, actually, with prayer requests, I still have hundreds of uh, these cards in my office. It's pretty cool. Significant reminder to me, just praying over people, having their contact information. And uh, she wrote this, which I just want to share with us. During worship, the Lord gave me a vision of a cluster of coals with a steady flame. And I don't know how to explain this. I've had visions before, but as I was leading worship, I knew God was giving someone a vision. And the Lord said to her, you have seen a small flame here on earth. Are you seem of a, of a small flame here on earth, but, the Lord, but a large flame before me in heaven? Totally butchered that, but the vision she had was a cluster of coals, and that was our church. I tried to talk to her, and it was a steady flame. And in the world's eyes, it was just a small little flame of some coals put together. And she said, the Lord said, 
You are seen as a small flame here on earth, but you're as a large flame before me in heaven. Isn't that cool that God sees us personally and we don't have to even front or pretend or be so programmatic we're about people and we could be small and be ourselves and we're imperfect and we don't have everything together, but God loves us individually. He loves the house of Israel, God of Jacob. He's the God of Jacob, the God of our church, the one that's risen and kingdom-minded. But he has a local church and a local people, and he loved Joseph as well. If you know Joseph, he went through a lot of hard stuff, but God was with him. And it's so cool that we can go through a lot of hard stuff together, being the people of God, but also God knows our individual struggles together. And so I thought, what a better way to testify of God's goodness, to share my story, and just to give him honor and glory, and to thank him for all he's done, and to finish with just changing our hearts and gaze and beauty to him for communion. And so it was a testimony psalm service. We're going to end with a few more songs. We usually run about an hour and a half. I didn't know how long this will be. We haven't until one, so I don't really care if we go another 15 minutes late. We're just doing it. So let's take time to just set our hearts and gaze upon the Lord. Thank him for the things that he's done because he not only died for the world, the Bible says, he died for you and for me. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delray Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter where you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.